Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Pod. Oh, tie. look at that you. Was that, was that was a tie. That was good. Who was it? Who was it on Twitter that said that our intro music was like a cheesy, cheesy nineteen nineties sitcom? Oh, I mean, exactly I don't know who said it, but it definitely is. <laughs> I, uh, I was, I had mixed feelings on our intro music until somebody said that, and <laughs> now that I realize that people think that it's so incredibly stupid, it's I a really stupid, like it. it's, it's a stupid, very stupid uh, intro. But it's I love it. Awful, but I think that's perfect. Perfectly encapsulates what we are. Yeah, it, it like, almost sounds like you know the super early iterations of Sports Center yeah. where like the music was horrible and the production quality was total yeah. shit. It almost sounds like something from that era. So you're saying we're the next Sports Center? Exactly. You heard it. That's here first. exactly what I'm hey, saying. <laughs> all we need to do is talk about NASCAR. Isn't that how they uh, got started? ESPN is that Just how talk they about got NASCAR? started? Yeah. No, they were yeah. running no. moonshine in the mountains. He is well, he is just moving past 80 years of history. Anyways, we're footballing other F words. We <laughs> appreciate you, you tuning been in. F'd. You've just been effed. About to be effed. Again, we're Sorry. about to F them. We are uh, going I to talk. It. I'm effing prematurely. You we're are. gonna we're gonna combine some Titans talk and NFL talks. Not a lot to uh discuss local team wise. We got a few topics to go through, and then the NFL is uh Got its usual off-season disasters going on, so we'll kind of break that down. As usual, to my left, Zach. How are you doing, Zach? Doing pretty good. To my right would normally be <laughs> Keith, but he is at home with some kind of mysterious and disease. And he was off all day today. He, he couldn't had, get better. He couldn't get healthy. He had President's Day off because that's where we're at with millennials. We're <laughs> off for holidays that don't fucking matter. Mike, how you doing? Awful. Were you working today? <laughs> I was. Like 90% of the rest of the country... And then the gentleman to his right, directly across from That's me. Not to my right. That's to your left. It's to your right. Did I say to? I said to my right. You said to my right. God <laughs> in heaven. He's caddy corner for me. He is the co-host of the Midday 180. <laughs> he is kind enough to join us today as Jonathan Hutton. How you doing? I also worked on President's Day, although I would take it off if given the opportunity. No, not only did he work on President's Day... They put on a hell of a show today. I will say, listen, as as an we were avid, upset about working. I'll be honest. With you. <laughs> I think Paul's upset about working every day. But as, as an avid Titan slash sports fan, I almost enjoy you all in the off season more than I do the regular season because really? it turns into such. <laughs> it, it goes turns, very it great goes places, off the rails. We can't tell half the time whether or not it's entertaining <laughs> or not. So. There, no, I'm not kidding. There are moments that I'm listening and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Someone is going to walk in at some point and be like, stop talking about bodily fluids. But in Yo, all seriousness, so what it's was entertaining that, as hell. What was that? That Chad Witherow was talking about... Uh, I don't know, his DNA being everywhere. Yeah, what, where at <laughs> and why? I and... think he was talking about Ancestry.com, but I have no idea. I tuned in. Literally, I turned on the radio and heard my DNA is everywhere. And I was like, <laughs> is it now? Tell me uh, all about apparently that. Apparently so. Yeah, yeah apparently so. <laughs> Uh, Especially at the stadium in. <clears throat> <laughs> That's right. It's all over the curtains. Yeah. That's a callback. See, we're professionals. That is, that is a horrifying place downtown. That is one of those buildings that I don't understand why it's standing. Like, why the hell is the stadium in still existing? What kind of true detective conspiracy <laughs> theory slash, like, politician buy-in bullshit is going on at well, that the hotel? the prostitute there? union is not going to let that go. <laughs> Yeah. They need that to sleep somewhere. There. They've got to have their annual convention yeah. somewhere. The yeah. fact that hookers are unionized. <laughs> We've got millennials getting off President's Day. Hookers are unionized. What's going on today? So, all right. Titans-wise, first thing we're going to get into is cap overview. Let's talk about the cap. Well, let's get into the cap because it's a little bit complicated. So, basically what you see on spot track and over the cap is not consistent enough. And... What I did was I took the top 51 and then went into pre-draft, post-draft. doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, once you take around uh, about $5.8 million for 
put that away for the draft class. You have about $38,000 left over. $38 million. Yeah. $38,000. We are going to get a delicious Hyundai Elantra <laughs> with no options. And I've been fired. <laughs> so basically, I, I tweeted out a... Hutton, listen, we have gone with there this There goes my beautiful salary order. for the season. Listen, it's teal, but it is a Hyundai Elantra. We can't have you on the sidelines anymore. I tweeted out a Titans offseason plan based on that number with realistic expectations. So cutting players, restructuring players, extending players. First guy I went to is Josh Klein. And it's a big it's big thing among the Titans community that our interior offensive line sucks. But they are outside of Klein, they are pretty good deals. In fact, that Ben Jones is like $4 million or something like that. And the, the centers that are going to be coming that are an improvement over Ben Jones are like $10 million. So there's no reason that you should pay $6 million more for really Matt Paradis, who's coming off an injury, or uh, what's the other uh, guy? Mitch, Mitch Morse, who's not – he's better, but is he $6 million better? And, and my thing with the – like cut Ben Jones, cut Josh Klein crowd is why are you trying to create more holes in a roster heading into an offseason? Like, obviously, you definitely want to find guys that can push them and maybe take their jobs if, if possible, but you certainly don't want to go into free agency with no starting left guard, no center, no starting right guard, and knowing that you have to find day one starters at all three of those positions through the draft or free agency – that's a terrible spot to put yourself in. Like, if you want to draft a, a you know couple guards and one of them works out and can take Josh Klein's job, and you decide at the end of training camp, you know, hey, it would be worth it for us to save the three million dollars against the cap or whatever you'd save, then cut him then. But you certainly don't want to cut him and right not now. And I talk bad about Corey Levin, but I mean, you have to be a member of the Corey Levin fan club or a family member to think that okay, well. He played well in, like, one game. One half. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he, he can take over the rest. He can do it. I mean, it's a big he, leap. Uh, you know, Hutton, the 2016, this offensive line was great, and it's pretty much the same. Is Was last year a learning curve mixed with the injuries to Conklin and him rushing back too soon? Are they cheap enough that you should bring the whole offensive line back and just draft and maybe sign some low-level competition for them? I would – my goal, if I were in the front office, would to be uh, bring back two of the three we're discussing. Okay. And then three of the four first draft picks I would acquire would be big dudes. <laughs> so interior, like interior offensive or defensive lineman with three of the first four picks of the draft. That would be my focus. Bringing competition, guys that I feel like can start where I'm bringing in uh, quality, either quality depth yeah. or guys who are going to start in the current players on my roster who I'm going to pay. I'm willing to pay the money that they're under contract for would provide depth in, in certain situations. I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain they know they have to upgrade the interior offensive line. The question is how many players are they willing to do that? And Arthur Smith, I think, plays a big factor in all of this because he was around for the good and the bad of the interior and the entire offensive line. Um, when they were at their best, when they were not at their best, uh, he he sh should certainly know what works and what doesn't. That's that's what really makes me kind of excited about the Arthur Smith pick is just almost it's an, I would even say uncertainty because uncertainty has a connotation of kind of a negative. I, I'm kind of excited just to see what he brings to the table from a an insider perspective of being with this team longer than anyone else yeah, yeah. on this coaching staff. Spinner longer than Marcus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which I think benefits Marcus. Yeah, yeah. No, it certainly does. I think it's the best case scenario going into next season for Marcus. And I'll, I'll say this going back to Arthur Smith. And that's why I kind of think that we are going to bring back almost the entirety of this offensive line. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have said that we're going to keep, Klein and we're not going to resign Spain. We're just going to let Spain hit free free agency or whatever. Spain is easily out of the guards in free agency. Probably what top five, top three. I'd, say, I'd definitely say top five for yeah. sure. But they I'm, were okay with letting him walk last year, right? Yeah. But Arthur Smith's in town. Arthur Smith, uh, tight ends coach, was it 2015? He became tight ends coach. Yes, yeah, I think so. Right. That was the first year that Spain was actually involved 
with the Titans was in 2015 when he was an undrafted free yeah. agent. I think I think you're going to see Spain come back, and I think it's a better chance just because of the Arthur Smith hire. I think if it's anybody else, that maybe you wouldn't have a coach or an offensive coordinator that would fight for Quentin Spain. They'd say, "Oh, you could probably let him hit." I mean, I mean you can easily bring him back for a three-year, eighteen million dollar contract, which is what he's worth, and including a sal- uh, signing bonus, you're looking at you know two point seven million dollars, two point eight. He's I. The Spain thing to me is strange because as somebody who watches the Titans very closely, I feel like Spain has played – he's been at times their best offensive lineman over the past couple years. I agree. And for for whatever reason, their actions tell me and tell everybody that they don't see him that way because you look at the last offseason, they put the lowest level restricted free agent tender on him. Then they go out and sign Xavier Suofilo and Kevin Pamphil with the, you know, theoretically to compete for his job. You know, he wins that competition. But then he's the one guy that gets benched despite the fact that Klein had games that were way worse than that first half of the Jets game for Spain, which he did play bad. But, I mean, why is he the guy that gets benched and not Klein? So there's a lot of stuff to me that just says, like, for whatever reason, they don't like him as much as – I do, or you know, most people seem to from the outside looking in. So, I don't. And not only did he win the competition, there was really no competition once camp started. Yeah, for that job, like he, there was no question that he was going to win that job from the first weekend of camp, not even the first week. Um, And and mainly because of uh, you had Suafilo, who was a no show when they signed him, and Pamphil, who got hurt fairly early uh, and didn't even provide depth for you during the season. He was on IR, so. Um, I, I think they, they treat Spain much like they did last offseason, honestly, where they, they give him the chance to go out and find that three-year contract, and if he doesn't, they'll sign him again for another year. The uh, Kenny Vaccaro-John Cyprian conundrum, I guess. I don't really think it's a conundrum. I think you cut Cyprian and sign Vaccaro. Um, Big Mike Hutton, is that how you guys feel, Lebowski? Does he, is he do a bonus, Cyprian, a roster bonus anytime before camp? Uh, I will check while we... T- I didn't know if that popped up there on spot, spot track or not. But if he is, then you have a decision to make fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. If not, uh, you bring them both into camp and you make a decision one way or the other on Vaccaro and Cyprian. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good way to approach it. Um, my, I guess with the Jack Conklin ACL deal, I'm kind of a little skittish of Cyprian coming back from the ACL just because... I know the the injury was way, way, way earlier in the year than Conklin's was. But at the same time, the history of guys coming back the very next year from an ACL, regardless of when it hits, is really spotty from a production standpoint. And Just real quick, ironically yeah. enough, this is the one year that he does not get a roster bonus. Yeah, so he's a luxury. Out of his contract. You keep him around and you let him compete. Yeah. So, I mean, that that may be what they do. And, I, you know, that's probably the ideal scenario. You see who's – playing the best and you you know hopefully can structure a Vaccaro contract to where you could get out of it mm-hmm. you know somewhat C- but cutting easily. him saves you 5.2 million dollars against the cap so yeah. you gain 5.2 million dollars instead of paying him 6.7 I, well, I look at the safety position though in the situation they were in this past preseason Mike and I yeah. think I'd rather keep him on the roster not save the five million now in case you have a situation where you're stuck looking for the next Kenny Vaccaro. You re-sign Vaccaro, but you don't want to be in a situation where you go down a, a veteran player in your secondary and you're out looking for the next Vaccaro. I'd rather have that situation guaranteed for me instead of having to find you know the, the next guy who is not going to be anywhere close to the level you're looking for. Yeah. And, and I'll say this about Vaccaro, too. His injury history is pretty checkered himself. Um, you know, I don't think he's ever had a, a full or he may have had one full 16 game season, but most of the time he's missing three or four games a year banged up here and there, which is fine. And that's going to be a, a hazard of just the way he plays. And, that, and that's part of why I think Titans fans fell in love with him this year is he plays with a reckless abandon and, and, you know, it's a refreshing way to see someone play the game in today's day and age. But, you know, it's going to lead to some injuries. He's going to miss some games. So you probably want to have a third safety on the roster that you're comfortable with playing 
you know, three or four games, and that's not a Kendrick Lewis guy. You know, that that's they, they're going to need to have a better third safety this year than they did last year if Bacaro is going to be their starter. Well, us rednecks like people who play football with reckless abandon. <laughs> I'm just saying. Maybe we want people you're flying right all over that. the field. Let me ask you a question, Lebowski. Blaine Gabbert, you're going to pay him $2 million. He's under contract, going to pay him $2 million. $2 million. If you cut him, you save one point five. Would you rather have Blaine Gabbert at two million, or maybe a Ryan Fitzpatrick at three point three, which is what he got paid at for the Bucks for one year, or even a tie rod around five to six million dollars? I've got kind of an impartial feeling about Fitzpatrick anyway, <laughs> just because. I really like watching him play. You like his beard, don't you? I do. It's fantastic. <laughs> I'm kind of a beard connoisseur myself. But, you know, here's here's the reality of what we're dealing with. Marcus is, unfortunately, probably has a 95% chance of missing one to three games at a bare minimum this year. I, I like the idea of, of gambling with Fitzpatrick coming in and having a game where he goes apeshit and throws multiple touchdowns. In, instead of the reverse, which is him throwing multiple picks, I, I I would be all in on a Fitzpatrick backup. What about you guys? I, I'd say I really like Fitzpatrick as a backup. I think he's a guy that's a he's a veteran guy, which I think they like paired with Marcus anyways. Um, which you know that may be changing as as Marcus gets a little bit older and is also finally not coming into a new system this year, um, but. Fitzpatrick has shown he can come in and win you a couple games and not just, like, get you by, but actually win games as like, a quarterback. Like, ball the hell out. Yeah. I, well, I, I think, think he I think had, he's like, one two of the, best of like the highest-rated uh, quarterback uh, PFF games this oh, year. Oh, yeah, those his first, first two or three yeah. weeks, he was on fire. His first five games were pretty outrageous this year. The first two or three like you're saying, Mike, we're, we're pretty out of control. Okay, so like Blaine, I'm, I'm simplifying it. Blaine Gabbert's at two million, and Fitzpatrick was at three point three. What's what's the highest you'd pay to have Fitzpatrick over Blaine Gabbert? Would you pay five million, Jonathan, just or under. would you play just under? If I bring back Blaine Gabbert, I'm drafting a quarterback in the first three rounds of this draft. Whoa, yeah. that's yeah. big. I am. I'm investing in quarterback if Blaine Gabbert's back because. The, Marcus is not going to stay healthy. That's the track record, and I need someone to groom for the future. Um, that, that's my plan if Gabbard's back. If, if I decide to pay for the veteran quarterback, I'm investing in Marcus. I'm saying Marcus is someone that we're continuing to groom as the future, and I need someone that's going to be able to start on a moment's notice, prepare without getting the reps during the regular season, and I don't want to carry three quarterbacks. That's also a decision I'm making on my roster. Um, so I'm going to pay the veteran. And I'm going to have a guy who's ready to go in without getting many reps during the season that can win a game or two. And that would be a Ryan Fitzpatrick type. That would be a Terod Taylor. Uh, that, that would be in the realm of 4 to $6 million for the season. Right. That would put me in the range of paying the most for a backup quarterback in the league, which I think the Titans are in a, in a situation to do if you're not going to draft a, a quarterback and groom them for the future. If you're doing that, Gabbert's fine. Right. Gabbert can be your second or your third, but I'm I'm making sure I have another option other than Blaine Gabbert at two million dollars. Did you just call him two rod? Tarod? No, you call him Tarod. Yeah, it's Tyrod. I mean, I am not I'm not going back and changing what we've all been calling Tyrod Taylor. Well, he asked you to. Well, I don't give a he shit. He specifically <laughs> specifically I, asked to stop being called. I do not that. care. That was his fault to not do it. Back when he got drafted and when he was starting to get a little bit famous. Well, besides So Zach, is it Mariota's problem that he's not correcting people on Mariota? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe it is his problem. He should, he at least should ter, say at something. At least Tarad did say something. Well, that's yeah. true. That's true. That's true. Let me ask I you this. That. Uh, on Marcus, Mariota. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. God. I, I it, sounds like, it sounds like the word britches, which I absolutely <laughs> cannot stand. Britches. Britches. Britch, do you know what britches are? <laughs> yeah, pants. And the only reason why we know that is because we're from the South. Britches. 95% of the, the people listening. The only reason I know is because Jim White. Oh, yeah. The white britches. The britches hey, report. The white britches. Why don't y'all huddle around and listen to my question? That's because that's what <laughs> oh, please, Jim White please, says. Please, follow me. That's then. what Jim White says. Um, I want to hear this from you, Hutton. The, the Marcus conundrum is, yeah. if let's say he starts 16 games, all 16. Okay. 
and we get a probably 3,000 plus yards and 20 plus touchdowns and yeah, I'm we'll say around him. eight interceptions. I'm signing him. You're, are you signing him to an extension? Those are 2016 or, numbers. Yeah, that you're are you signing him to an extension or are you just going to franchise tag him and see if he can do it one more time? Um, what number is he asking for? It would be probably 22-23 on the franchise tag, I think is what I read yeah, in 2020. I think it's going to be more like 28-29 for Ooh. quarterbacks because Russell Wilson's probably going to get an extension before yes. that. And yeah. uh, I think there's another quarterback that's up that's going mean, to push that I number. guess my, my thing is – is one year of being healthy enough to make you sign him to a multi-year deal? Yeah, um, based on the numbers you're throwing out, I'm also hypothetically saying that that's a successful playoff year. Yeah. Uh, Vrabel's in the postseason. Arthur Smith is a success based on what we've seen as a play caller. I think all of those things factored in, I would invest in the future in number eight uh, because the best year we've seen from him are similar to the numbers you're throwing out right. in 2016. So. Yes, I would say that's enough. Uh, at minimum, he's getting tagged. Um, and if he's willing to go a little bit b- above the tag number and sign an extension, I'm signing him. If he wants to, to be the highest paid player in the league uh, and set a new record, I'm probably franchise tagging him and making him prove it another year. Does a hypothetical with the statue throughout, Zach, does a first-round loss, like a, a one-and-done in the playoffs, matter in that scenario? If we, if the Titans come out and Mariota just underperforms in a playoff game after having a good season, healthy all year, does that factor into it? I don't know that. I don't know that you can overreact to one game, especially when he's had a good playoff. Yeah, I mean, we've I, seen I, him perform well in the playoffs before. I, I think I'm. I think I'm along that lines. I'm still along the lines, though. Of regardless of what happens in the playoffs, if we get to the playoffs, is that a 16-game season, and I've been told that I overvalue uh, availability for 16 games. I mean, to me, that's pretty fucking important. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I would like my quarterback to be there for 16 games and be healthy. I uh, understand there's crazy circumstances I'll around. Take four, I'll take 14 at this point. <laughs> yeah. I, I really uh, would. Um, but oh, 14 fully healthy 14 games. fully yeah. healthy. Not, like not seven-hour debacles with – Multiple right. people getting injured. No. And, and not 14, like, duct tape together and, like, dragging a couple limbs, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, if we get, you know, a good amount of games from him where he's, like, Marcus that we saw playing in Houston or playing in Dallas or Philadelphia, that, that Marcus, we got 16 games, 14 games out of it. They're going to win a playoff game against yeah. that guy. And, right, and, right. And to be honest, I mean, that, but that's a guy that you want to extend or uh, – you would like to extend, I would rather franchise tag him because I want to see him do it again. I mean, we saw him do it once, and then it was two years of below average to, you know, mediocre quarterback play, and then we had to wait two more years. I mean, the biggest mistake is for him to have one good year and let's extend him multiple years and him never reach that again. That's, I mean, that's what the Jaguars did. Blake had one good year. They extended him, and now look at him. That's the Jaguars. I know, but I, I don't like to bring it up because I know it sounds like I'm comparing Blake Bortles to Marcus, but Marcus has a different problem than what Blake Bortles has. Blake Bortles has a mechanics problem. Bl- Marcus has an injury problem. And an intelligence But they problem. affect your team the same way. It doesn't really matter – the name on it. They affect your team the same way. Marcus stays home at night, is responsible, doesn't have social Watches media. a lot of family feud. Blake Bortles, <laughs> Blake Bortles leaves his wallet and keys in his <laughs> unlocked truck and lets people steal it. His most famous quote from last year is, uh, piss. I don't have it. Sorry. I don't have it on that. So, all right. Yet. So I'm, I'm going to move on to another topic that this podcast yeah. likes to completely over, um, over obsess with, which is tight ends. Oh, Mike, my favorite which, Mike, which tight end do we want to talk about today? Well, uh, <laughs> the the discussion of Titans draft Twitter has been TJ Hawkinson. And we keep getting, uh, you know, seeing mock drafts with the Titans being mock Hawkinson. Some people are completely freaking out about it and saying it would be the worst draft pick ever. Others fall on the, well, he's a really good player, and if he's a really good player, it couldn't hurt to have him into the spectrum. So where do you guys land on that? Realistically, you cannot rely 
on Delaney and Janu to come back from injury. I I fall into the spectrum of take a playmaker. And I understand that TJ Hawkinson gets a lot of hype and 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 all this stuff. If he's the number one tight end in the draft, which he very well could be, he's a run blocker, he's a pass blocker, and he's a pass catcher, and he's a yards after the catch guy. We need playmakers, and we need run and pass blockers. Well, he can do both of those things. He fits two needs in one mold. Is a tight end really a tight end anymore? Are you really drafting someone that is not going to be able to be split out wide anymore? You're, you're drafting a George Kittle, a, uh, a – I don't want to say Gronkowski, but that's his what, blocking That's who he's being very, compared to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's who he's being compared to. But, I mean, his blocking is really good, like Gronkowski has developed. He's he, To me, he's more George Kittle than anybody else. And, you know, in a team – on a team that needs reliable pass catchers that can get yards after the catch and can also have someone that that person also blocks – it's a big thing, and I think number 19, I mean, we're so far down. Number 19 compared to get the number one tight end or get the number six or seventh defensive end or edge rusher, get the number three to four defensive tackle, or you could get the first wide receiver, but the first wide receiver is DK Metcalf, who has put on 300 pounds of muscle. <laughs> I Whatever. Mean, You're just mad because the man looks like an aircraft carrier out there running around. I, mean, I, listen, we listen, saw the I love DK, we DK saw the Metcalf. Looks like an apartment building yeah. with biceps. But I'm just saying, I mean, <laughs> DK Metcalf doesn't have the production to back up like Hawk does. No, certainly. So TJ Hawkinson seems to be it's a it's a more reasonable choice than what fans want to give it. Uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I fall on the Hawkinson could be an option i'm not saying hawkinson has to be the pick right at right. 19 by any means I, you know if someone like if ed oliver falls to 19 for some reason oh God, nfl would, teams get dumb and overthink podcast things would just be me talking and <laughs> talking about ed oliver the, that would the, be that'd you, be just, beautiful. you grab you grab ed oliver right so yeah. i'm not saying absolutely without question hawkinson's the guy i'm saying depending on how the board falls, if he's the guy that's the highest graded player on their board at 19, I don't think tight end is so wrapped up for the Titans that you can't consider him. Because for one, if you think wide receiver is a need position for the Titans, I think you have to say tight end is a need position as well. Because, I mean, functionally, they do a lot of the same things. I mean, you, you're getting a pass catcher for Mariota in the, the passing offense. And a playmaking pass catcher. Yeah, you, you're getting a playmaker in the passing game. So I don't care whether he plays tight end or running back or wide receiver. You need more of those guys. And if Hawkinson's the best one. Well, I kind of care if he's a running back. We got enough running backs. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, okay. So you're not going to put Derrick Henry and like some pass catching running yeah. back on the field at the same time. But the point is that tight ends – you could play 12 personnel quite a bit. You could have Hawkinson and Delaney Walker. You could play a lot of 13. You could have Hawkinson, Walker, and Smith out there at the same time and create some pretty massive matchup problems. So, I mean, just because he's a tight end does not mean I, I think you throw him out. Del Delaney Walker, fact of the matter is, is 35 years old. He's coming off a serious, serious injury. Only, uh, you know, Superhorn has been tweeting this stat a lot like of times. Ben Watson is the it's, only... 35-plus-year-old tight end to get 700 yards. Yeah, and, and I, I lowered the threshold to, like, 500 yards. 500 yards receiving for a tight end 35 years or older, and there's only, like, I think it's either four or five tight ends ever who have done it. And it's, you know, Gonzalez, Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, Ben Watson, which is so random. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would not think that the third name on that list would be Ben Watson. Yeah. And And – you know, but there's one more guy. I can't remember who it is, but uh, – oh, Shannon Sharp. Um, but that's it. I mean, that's the whole list. So, assuming that Delaney Walker is going to come back and be this 800, 900 yards, eight touchdowns tight end is a pretty bold jump, in my opinion. I, I believe in Delaney Walker, and I, I, I think it's not a that ton we're of the guy. not rooting against Delaney no. or rooting against these players. He's Let's be one realistic. one of my though. favorite Titans – you know, that we've ever had on the yeah. team. But what I'm saying is you're just betting against the odds. Right. Like, and that's not a great 
way to run a team. Like, you, as a fan, you can certainly be like, oh, Delaney is a superhero. He's going to come back. But if you're running the team, you've got to look at it. Well, I mean, not very many people do this. You know, so are we really willing to bet on Delaney Walker being the fourth guy ever to do this or the fifth guy ever to do this? Or if he doesn't, are we really comfortable with Johnny Smith being the tight end one on the team? Also coming from injury. I'll give you the last word on this. I'm all for I'm all for drafting a tight end if they help me reach the end zone more. This team was terrible at reaching the end zone last yeah. year. And you know who was in charge of red zone offense, not to bring up a, a point, was Arthur Smith. And that's a little scary. Just a little scary. But why why are you gonna do that? We we just got done talking <laughs> about wet blankets and all that shit. But some of the <laughs> I thought some of the better storylines came from the tight end position after Delaney went down. Right. John U blossomed. Yeah. Uh, we saw things from Ferkser as the year progressed as well. Um, so uh, it, th- there were examples to point to at the tight end position uh, as to reasons why you, you think that he would have a grasp on that position and what they need. Um, it, is Hawkinson going to help that area? I'm all for it if that's the case. And it also, I think you also have to assess how close you are offensively to being where you need to be uh, as the overall team aspect of things. Think about it from uh, what's going to help you win immediately. Is it more interior offensive line? Is it the tight end? Or is it more defensive line-based? And I, I mm-hmm. said earlier, I, I would go heavy, big guys for offensive and defensive line. That would be my focus in this draft. And at 19, I, you know, Zach, you mentioned, do you get the six best defensive lineman or the top tight end? I would have to weigh my options there uh, heavily. because well, I, and, and Mike would agree with you. I would totally disagree with everything, but Mike would yeah. actually agree with you. I mean I, – I think, I think you – don't take a small – I'm with you. Don't take a small guy at 19. History – and there's a lot of numbers that back this up. History shows if you invest high picks in offensive and defensive linemen, the bust rate is much smaller with those guys than it is at – your wide receivers, your cornerbacks, your skill position players. It's just those guys are so much a function of what else is going on around them compared to offensive and defensive lines, which can control their matchup one-on-one. And it's just a, you know, you're either 6'6", 330 pounds and a badass and can move the guy out of the way, or you're not. Or you're not. Yeah, period. (laughs) Yeah. I think think history says – Invest in the trenches. Well, let's um, let's pause here, take a break, so you can listen to an ad from one of our delicious sponsors. And that was so delicious, wasn't it? Mm. God, I hope it wasn't for something that was not mm. delicious, like a mulch, <laughs> like just a mulch ad. I hope we get mulch ads at some point. <laughs> That'd be great. It's almost spring. The uh, I was listening mulch to Conan season. O'Brien Needs Friends uh, podcast, and he had Timothy Oliphant on. Apparently, they're actually really good friends, even off uh, off camera. But Timothy Oliphant, and they've only done like 14 episodes of this particular podcast with Conan, but he started interrupting the show and reading his own ad reads. <laughs> and it was for like a gingerbread house, and it's in the month of January. So, I mean, or Manuary, depending on how you look at your calendar. <laughs> um, and uh, the... Basically, it was all, you know, him just this, this, I don't know. I don't know where I'm really going for with this. this mulch. Mulch. We are talking about mulch. Yeah. Mulch. Now. Speaking of mulch and landscaping in general, I believe Zach and Mike have a list of uh, certain players that they want to follow during the combine. I believe we're going to keep up with some stats with them, right? We, d- we do. So, I put together a Google spreadsheet that I'll share out. You won't be able to edit, but you will be, will be able to look at and we got it categorized by defensive line, edge, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line. And we have pretty much every measurement and skill and uh, what, what they call them? What the word Event. I'm for? Event, Event. that they're going to go through. Uh, height, weight, arm, hand, 40-yard dash, 10-yard split, 20-yard split, bench, vertical, broad, three-cone, 20-yard shuttle, 60-yard shuttle. And if they got interviewed by the Titans. So we're going to keep this all up in a database. So we only did these five positions. These are the main five positions of need. And we have pretty much players that we feel like are going to be on the list. Um, At the bottom of every page, we have the term or the measurement for the event. So, like, 
the term that you may not be, what is the 20-yard split? The 20-yard split measures acceleration. Quicker you can reach and maintain a speed, the quicker a player is. So wide receiver, running back, tight end, defensive back, really good to have a good 20-yard split time. You know, another term is going to be Kalen Saunders, (laughs) who is the love of my life. (laughs) He's going to be featured on this podcast at some point when I want to talk about him. Zach has a Kalen Saunders uh, poster. Or no, I'm I'm sorry, it's it's pronounced Colin, is it not? Colin Uh, Saunders, I I I call him Kalen. That's just my pet name for him. your pet name for him. So we're just just making up names now? Yeah. So like another term measurement is TJ Hawkinson is perfectly fine at number 19. Yeah. That's a that's Some the term, yeah. and then the definition. So I'm sorry, you don't like a combination of Anthony yeah. Fasano and Delaney Walker? Sixty yard <laughs> shuttle run by non linemen <laughs> only. Who knew that? I did not know that. I didn't know that. Very similar to the twenty yard split, but also measures is, endurance. So we're is we're it is it because you. the offensive linemen get too tired? Probably because I mean it does break. measure endurance. Yeah. So you know I got all this, <laughs> big Mike. Who are some players that you're looking forward to seeing at the Combine? So, my favorite thing about the Combine is figuring out, you know, who the, like, the freak, freak athletes are. Because a lot of these, I mean, almost all these guys are freak athletes in some degree. But there are freaks among freaks, like Aaron Donald running a, what is four six five forty at almost 300 pounds and stuff like that. So, there, there's a few obvious guys. There's, like, you know, Ed Oliver is going to be a freak combine dude and i am excited to see exactly how freaky let me ask you this real quick because he he continuously continually drops for whatever reason to mock drafts people are talking themselves out of ed oliver for some reason and i mean to some degree i can understand it because he's not the most refined player um you know he he certainly looks like a guy that is going out and trying to win on his just athleticism a lot of the time but I mean, that athleticism is unreal. I mean, he's the closest thing to Aaron Donald since Aaron Donald, for sure. So, is Ed Oliver your defensive lineman to watch the freak? Are you doing a freak list? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, uh, well, you know, and it's not... The freak rankings? The freak elite rankings. Um, (laughs) Well, no. (laughs) It definitely has to be called that. Uh, But, no, I mean... Yeah, Ed Oliver is one on the defensive line. Your boy, uh, Colin Sanders, um, or Kalen if you're nasty. Um, and uh, <laughs> Kalen if you're into that weird <laughs> shit. Uh, like Rashawn, Rashawn Gary is another one on the defensive line that I'm interested uh, to see what, what he runs. Sidetrack real quick. I want to talk about Rashawn Gary because yeah. he, he seems to be one of those defensive linemen that is only about physical attributes. And he's another one that's all over the place. I've seen him as high as third on some big boards and as low as, like, second round on others. If if we're at 19 and Rashawn Gary is is available, should we take Rashawn Gary if Ed Oliver is not available? I think Rashawn Gary is a little bit of a a tweener, odd fit for the Titans, more so even than Ed Ed Oliver. Um, I really think he's more of a 4-3 in – Honestly, uh, I don't. I can't see him playing edge as good an athlete as he is. I can't see him playing outside line like a stand up outside linebacker in a three four. Um, what what wide receiver are you looking most forward to? Um, I, it would have probably been Marquise Brown because I think he would have had a chance to get into the like the four twos. Uh, but obviously, we won't see him run now that we've got the news about the Liz Franca injury, which, by the way, it scares the shit out of me as far as a guy that. Could Would be you, drafted n- okay, 19. Him and Simmons, and I have a fucking fly just flying around my eye. I see you it. Like, uh, I'm seeing it. It's annoying the shit out of me. Um, him and Simmons both injured. Yeah. Just real quick. Are you taking any of those guys in the top two rounds? I, or are they third round guys to you? I'd or say third m- rounds or later. I'd say maybe in the second. It's It would be hard for me to do that in the first because I feel like you almost have to get – year one production out of your first round pick it really i mean it sucks if you can i mean obviously the patriots got away with it without uh what's his name isaiah win this year but they're, they're the patriots so you can't really compare them to anybody but you pretty much need your first round pick to be on the field right away and those guys so would you take second round chances on those guys yeah um or is there one you would one you wouldn't 
I, I would probably honestly I I'd probably be more tempted by Simmons than Brown. Um just because Brown, the foot injury scares the crap out of me, especially with a guy that relies so heavily on his athleticism and like that burst. Um we've seen it with Kevin Dodd and Tajay Sharp. You know, they suffered those foot injuries and they really never were the same. Two, after. two beautiful names to really bring up on this podcast. I know, talking I'm, about second round draft picks. Everybody's <laughs> screaming um right now. But uh yeah, I mean I don't know. It would I would lean towards yes for Simmons at fifty one. Um just because I think Simmons is an unbelievable player. Let, let me let me ask Lebowski something. You're an Ole Miss fan. Yep. Uh, you have the Ole Miss team has three wide. Their top three wide receivers are all entering the draft. Uh, DK Metcalf had the big, you know, he has big everything. The Incredible Hulk <laughs> type, you know, style. And Except I, for stats. I would like to ask you a question and. <laughs> DK Metcalf, to me, he's the most interesting prospect at the combine at the wide receiver position. What do you think about the three wide receivers at Ole Miss? Is it a lot of people have AJ Brown, the DK Metcalf, and Demarcus Lodge, or what do you, what do you have going in from what you saw as a fan? I don't know. It's I mean, <laughs> the thing is, is that Ole Miss was so explosive on offense at times, and then fell apart at other times, I'm assuming that was just due to, you know, poor coaching. The team is just basically starting to regress after you know, losing freeze and, you know, the, the sanctions that are starting to come down. But Metcalf, I mean, it, don't get me wrong, the, the photos are impressive. The guy <laughs> is an absolute specimen. But, mm. I mean, it's <laughs> – it's almost too big. I mean, that's why I'm interested. It's issue. a concern. I mean, I, I do think it's a concern. I don't know. I, I say this completely talking out of my ass, but you know, the, how many wide receivers in the last three to five years out of Ole Miss have translated very, very well to the NFL. That's true. And Man. now you're looking to rely on three in the top three rounds to be able to give you. I that. mean, what it kind of reminds me of, this is a totally unfair comparison and I, I, I fully expect to get torn apart for this, but Somebody I was so big on going into the NFL was Laquan, Laquan Treadwell. Mm -hmm. And just – I'm assuming it's just he looks as bad in practice as he has in the games. But Minnesota has all but tried to not use him at all. Yeah. They I will pretty say much this buried about DK Metcalf. They've buried him. He wins at the line like no other receiver I've ever seen win at the line. I, I think what he does at the line, being able to blow past or get physical, either or – Jordan Tamu is probably the reason why, and I think he just loved A.J. Brown, is probably the reason why. But I am so interested to see the playing weight as far as the combine goes and what he runs on the 40. I, I think that's his big thing. I, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm ready to see what he puts up at the combine. Based on that, maybe I'll change my opinion a little bit, but – Metcalf is one of those that I'll root for probably individually in the NFL just to see what he does, but I don't know that I want my team taking the gamble on him. Let me ask you this, Big Mike. Polite. Yeah. Is if, if Sweat, Burns, all these other edge guys are off the board, is Polite worth the 19th round pick? Because he's you, you were speaking about boomer bust. Mm -hmm. He seems very – he seems like the, the, the edge guy that is the most boomer bust in this in this draft class. Am I, am I reading that wrong or I don't know if he's the most boomer, but I actually see Brian Burns as the most boomer bust to me because I could see Brian Burns becoming like one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, or I could see him being entirely too light and just not being able to make the same shit work that he did at Florida state. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I think Burns might be the biggest boomer bust, but polite, is a guy, I don't know, he's a lot like Landry to me, um, which isn't a bad thing. I think Landry is a very good player, and anybody that knows, you know, li listened to the pod last year knows I was huge on Landry to begin with. But I almost wonder if the Titans wouldn't want someone a little bit different just because 
Landry is, you know, your speed guy, your bin guy. Having another guy that's a you know very similar player is okay, but I almost wonder if they wouldn't prefer somebody with some length. Because if you look at the Titans pass rushers right now, it's not a lot of length on that group. You've got Jarrell Casey, who is a very short, stout guy. Let me let me stop you right there. Yeah. And what do you mean by length? When you say length, do you mean overall height? Do you mean the wingspan? Do you mean a combination of the two? What yeah. do you mean by length? Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about a combination of the two. Like, just wingspan, height, you know, there's just certain things that you can do when you've got that kind of leverage and you're able to keep offensive linemen off of you a little bit. Because Mohamed Wilkerson has pretty big length, right? Yeah. Or a great length. Yeah. Julius Peppers would be another one. Yeah, I Julius Peppers has a ton of length. Yeah. And, and a guy like Aminahu in this draft is is a guy that has an incredible length. Like his wings – I want to say he had like 36-inch arms or something like that, which is yeah, insane. Yeah, something crazy at the senior bowl. Um, but I almost think that you probably want a guy – and I think Montez Sweat is, is one of the better fits for this. Uh, Cleland Farrell um, from Clemson is another one. Those kind of guys, I feel like, give you a different dimension from the standpoint of being able to push the pocket uh, versus just running by the pocket, being able to use those inside counters, really kind of be stout against the run, that kind of thing. And Landry's actually surprisingly stout against the run, I think, for a guy his size. But I think having that length – and there's just problems that length creates for an offensive lineman um, that the Titans currently don't offer so we're going to publish this list on twitter correct for correct for the listeners to it follow will actually be we'll we'll have it fleshed out and done probably two two days before the combine and i'm interested to see this too because I, i'm the type of person that when it comes to the combine and, and the draft i don't pay attention as much to the combine it's it's not out of personal preference it's i mean I, i'll just openly say it it's because I have not understood in the past all the drills that certain players will run and all that kind and of thing. And we have so, the definitions because there's yeah. there's completely – there were definitions and drills that I was like texting Mike and I was like, uh, they do a 60-yard shuttle too? And I'm <laughs> thinking like, what? Because, right. Because when I – I love the combine. But I don't listen to it with the volume on for whatever reason every time I get to watch it. So I really don't know what's going on other than what they show on the screen. But I can remember uh, our friend of the podcast, Matt Smith, he was getting married, and we were in Chattanooga for his uh, – oh, what was it? Kind of uh, like engagement party. Wedding dinner wedding, thing. Wedding yeah, dinner like an engagement wedding is. dinner thing. Yeah. And I can remember the wide receivers were running, and I was down in, for whatever reason, the workout room of the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Do not know why I was running. He wasn't lifting weights. He was just staring. Lost. But I can remember uh, seeing the wide receivers run and seeing Juju Smith, Schuster, and Cooper Cup in that particular draft class. And I'm thinking, yeah, those are two wide receivers that I have a good feeling on. Yeah. And to me, the combine is where you get the good feeling. Last year, I got the good feeling from you know certain players like PJ Hall or whatever. But we got good feelings from players, and we we nailed that draft. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to seeing what prospects that me and Big Mike have, that I have, that maybe even pique yours and Keith's interest, and seeing what – seeing who's right, who, yeah. who's on the money. Because we yeah. were on the money. No, and, and I, I'm interested to see that too. I mean, as a podcast, you know, we'll yeah. see – Let's see from the inception to draft to you know to team placement. You know, let's see how they produce. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll have that list up. I'm assuming probably by the end of the week, or mm-hmm. how are you gonna just update it? I will. I the... will have. I will have the list for everybody to kind of look at like a preview. All right. Uh, this podcast will probably come out. Are we are we doing this next week? Are um, we gonna unleash it next week? We'll have to decide, but yeah. whenever you're listening to it now is when it's we, coming. I will put it two days before the combine. I will put our. Nice. I will right. publicly tweet the list out. So, um, that's what we've got. Yeah. Thank you for uh, tuning and in. And you the, just bit it. You just been out. Just, I mean, just completely. Just. We just we, why did you have to neuter effed. me there? Like I couldn't. I couldn't be the one to say that people just got effed. Well, now say it. 
doesn't work that way. <laughs> you can't just spoon feed well, somebody an IG after you screwed it out. Do you think everybody's silent during an orgy? Maybe. Yeah, you ever are they? You are they sl- silent or an orgy? Big Mike, you're the orgy specialist. What if, what if it's a, No, not at all. What Very loud. A, what if it's a bed full of mutes? No, nobody said. No, they're still slapping. They're still slapping. We're going to get out of this podcast before we get removed from SB Nation. Um, do we have Twitter handles we need to read? Yeah, we do. We do. I'm, I'm yeah. going to go through them since, since you're just yelling shit out before I can get to it. Uh, I want to say uh, you know, very special thank you to Jonathan Hutton, who joined us tonight. Uh, Did he Irish goodbye us? He Irish goodbye yes. us. He just straight up walked out of the podcast. Suck and that. Gave, gave Mike a dirty look. Um, yeah, he did. Uh, it was his, a total dirty look. Please, he pushed me out of my chairs. Please, weird. by all means, follow him on Twitter. It is uh, Hutton1045 at... Uh, or, it's at Hutton one zero four five. My God, he's not the uh, the uh, he's not what, the, 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 the ecologist. ecologist that's very controversial. British soccer yeah. player, something or other. But yeah. um, he is also he he's, he's sponsoring a, a wonderful thing right now with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Tennessee. Please donate. Check that out. Follow it on Twitter. It's a really fantastic campaign. We really want you all to get involved. Something we are definitely passionate about on this podcast, and we will continue to talk about. Mike can be listened to, looked at, and ogled over at Ooh. Music City Miracles. You can follow him at Mike Miracles on Twitter. Zach, to my left, pretty much runs the Football and Other F-Words podcast. I have completely abandoned just, my own personal account. <laughs> he has Twitter. completely <laughs> abandoned his own personal account. He, he runs our podcast. You can get mad at him if he uh, tweets anything out you don't like. Because I do all the time. Keith is not here. He has a Twitter account. He has literally tweeted. This is not a joke one time, so we don't give a shit about his Twitter. <laughs> I am Mr. Lebowski. You've just been effed. If you like a nice, quiet Twitter feed, enjoy at Internet Keith. If you want an unhealthy mix of like <laughs> political rants and people going ape shit, give me a call. I kind of want to wonder how many tweets uh, he does have and how many followers per tweet. Oh, he's probably got a really good follower per yeah. tweet ratio. I think he's got like a bunch of ad mentions that he just hasn't seen yet. Just because he had, what, uh, President's Day off. <laughs>